This podcast is produced by Audiophile. Welcome to Vida Church Live, the podcast. Our mission is to help you to know God better, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Join us now at the altar of Vida Church for this week's life-changing message. This morning, I am excited to bring forth the word of God for us. We are still in summer fun at Be The Church. Um, it's okay to be a Christian and have a good time. Woo! Somebody just got a revelation. <laughs> it's good to be a Christian. It's a good life. This is the good stuff, as the G-Boys used to sing. And, um, and this morning, we're continuing the theme we've done, um, uh, the slip and slide, talking about taking a leap of faith. We've done the bouncy house, talking about bouncing back. Um, every uh, week, we try to bring different activities that would have a spiritual connotation. Uh, I think it'll do two things. Number one, the next time you're going to go through a slip and slide, hopefully you'll think of a leap of faith. You know, um, but, but more than anything is to open up our spiritual eyes that we might be able to see God in everything that we do, even when it's a game. And today we're talking about setting goals. You're probably looking up here going, what's going on? Um, but we're going to be talking about setting goals. And I think one of the uh, best ways for uh, us to talk and be able to display um, physically uh, what... Uh, setting goals uh, entails is using games. We play games all the time. Different people have different kinds of uh, games that you might play. Uh, some people love cards. Uh, some people love this. That, that new one um, Sister Wilda brought over to the house called Spot It, and people went nuts with that you know, card game. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can get some competition going. The other day I was in my pool and um, there were some people over from the church. And for the first time, some, some people there were able to discover the very competitive Pastor Val. <laughs> they had never seen that side of me, but we were having a volleyball game and somebody very kindly thinking of our team looked at our team and they were like, eh, you guys, you know, it doesn't seem fair, us against you. And if you know me, that's all I need is somebody to tell me it doesn't seem fair, us against you. And uh, ask them who won. <laughs> and we, at the first seven points, I was just toying with them, you know. And then next thing I know, right, Gabe? <laughs> and the next thing I know, I turn around and I had two other players in the back. And I looked and I'm like, where are they going? They're like, no, pass the ball. You got this. You know, because we can get very competitive, you know, about the games. But whatever game you're playing, it does, you're going to set yourself up for failure if you don't set goals. And today we're going to be talking about setting goals. There's always an objective in every game that you play. And if you, and I want to start out by saying that the most important thing to be able to look at when you're getting ready to play a game or play a sport is that you need to consider the rules. If you don't consider the rules, if you don't know the rules, 
then you're going to begin and playing something and you're going to call it whatever it is that everybody else is calling it. But in reality, it's your own game. It's your own thing. It's your own rules. And it's really the minute that we start making up our own rules and changing things, we're no longer operating under the title of whatever it is that we're saying we're playing. We're just inventing our own way. So for believers, as we set goals, our goals should not be a game of chance or a game of personal desire, but it should be the result of carefully studying and submitting to the will of God, which is revealed through his manual, his instructions, which is the word of God. The moment that we decide to play, to get in the game, to live our lives as believers without informing ourselves of the rules, we, are, we can call ourselves all we want Christians, but we are not. Christians are people who are Christ-like, and in order to be Christ-like, you need to know the word, and you need to live according to the word. Psalm 32.8 says, I, this is God speaking to us, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So it's not just a matter of being able to learn and hear and try to do it on our own, but God is constantly teaching us and instructing us, but he stays there watching over us because he knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows we're not going to be perfect on the very first try, but thank God for his grace, his mercy, his presence that never leaves us, that is always with us. So as we live, we need to measure our lives according to the written word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, 15, we find this is a letter that P, uh, uh, Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. He was a young uh, evangelist at the time. And he wrote and he says, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing this, these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. What was Paul saying? Paul says, I might not get there on time. I might not be physically present. So I'm writing things down so that in my absence, you still know what to do. In my absence, you don't have the excuse of not knowing how to live according to how the pillar and the foundation of truth should live. The same way Jesus came, he chose disciples, he chose men and women of God who were able to write things down so that today, as we live, we don't live according to what we think, we don't live according to our own rules, but we live according to the pillar, which is the foundation of truth. Amen? First Corinthians. Today, I have scripture after scripture after scripture. All right? So First Corinthians 11, 1, 2 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings, uh, to the teachings just I, as I passed them on to you. Again, it's not enough to know. It's a matter of taking a grasp, taking a hold of the things that are being taught, saying this is the truth that I am going to live by. We can know the truth, and the truth will set you free, but only if you let it operate in your life, only if you grab a hold of it and let it do the work that it needs to do. 
Deuteronomy 17.11 says, You must do what you are instructed. The verdict they, pron they pronounce to you without fail. Do not deviate to the right or to the left from what they tell you. What is that saying? Again, we have a tendency as human beings not just to hear the word, but we, we've been endowed with this wonderful imagination and way of thinking. So when we hear something, I, I struggle with this because I'm very creative. So when I see something, I'm always thinking of how we can do one up how we can better this, you know, and I, and I look for different ways, and it's good to be creative like that in a lot of different things, but not with the word of God. Why? Because your word will never be better than the word of God. So when we look at the word of God, we can't approach the rules with this thing of, I can come up with a better plan. The plan of God is the best plan. So today, as we get ready to go out and we're going to be playing some games, um, we have some, we have three games that I'm going to use to kind of help us to uh, look at some of the principles that we can learn through it so that we can apply them to our life of faith. The first one I'm going to be talking to you about is the cornhole. I don't know if you know what cornhole is, but these are the boards. That's a board of cornhole. That's a board. Let's just kind of lay it up a little bit more this way. Um, so that everybody can kind of see it. And then you have these bags that are filled with corn in it. That's why they call it cornhole. Some of you didn't even know that it was corn inside these things. But we can't just set goals. In cornhole, we're going to learn about direction. We're going to learn about the target. Why? Because we can't just set goals and celebrate the fact that, oh my God, Minister Lewis, I just wanted that as a goal, then you just set it for me, and I'm just good because the goal is there. That's not enough. The fact that we have set goals is not the final product. Once we set a goal, we must position ourselves to keep our eyes on the target. We must learn how to align ourselves with it and find the perfect position. Because direction is important. See, the cornhole is there. That is the target, right? I'm over here. And I'm talking about goals that we're setting at a distance. That because there's two types of goals. There's short-term goals that can be within the next few minutes. I'm, I have an objective that by the time that, that I'm going to finish the sermon on time. That's my objective. That's very short. It's very close, right? But... They're long-term goals that I have for five years, 10 years from now. And our greatest goal is to get to heaven, and we don't even know when that one is coming. So we have to prepare ourselves for long-term and not short-term. So when we look at uh, the, the cornhole, we have to just be able to not only know what the goal is, but we have to align ourselves to it. See, what's happening to many of us is we can't figure out why we're constantly losing at this game. We see it, and it seems simple enough, but we're getting tired of trying to set goals and not being able to meet them every time. We keep shooting our way to the goal, but we can't find out, we can't realize, we don't realize why we can't hit the target. And many of us have to rely on other people's opinion because what we do is we set the goal and then we forget about the goal and turn our backs to the goal. So when you set the goal and you don't position your direction correctly, 
I'm going to try to hit that, and I'm going to go. And because I'm not looking at the goal, I need to ask, Brother Larry, did I get close to that? No, right? And, 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 and if I go again, I'm like, okay, I really, really hope that I hit it this time. Tia, did I get close to that? Where did I hit it? Can you direct me on where I should hit it? And you have to depend on everybody's opinion, everybody's thoughts about, okay, move a little bit to the right, move a little bit to the left, when you're the one who set the goal. And if you're looking at the goal and you know that it's there, you know what? When you have a goal set before you and you keep your eyes focused on the goal, you might not get it on the first try or you might like pass it out. I'm just saying. I thought I was going to miss that one, but I'm just saying, okay, the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> you might not get it on the first try, but look, if I don't get it on the first try, that's not a failure. That's a readjustment. Because I'm looking and now I know I can't, I have to move a little bit more to the right. And on the second, oh God, Val is on fire today. So failures are never failures. They're readjustments. But we got to keep our eyes on the focus. We can't look, we can't try to meet our goals by looking at the past. We can't try to meet our goals by forgetting about them. We have to keep our focus forward. We have to keep our eyes on the mark. When you are facing and focusing on the goals, you're gonna find that failures are not failures, they're measures of readjustment. And, and sometimes you might not get it in the hole, you might just get it on the, the board. Well, guess what? You get a point for that. You get three points if you get it in the hole, but you still get a point for that. Why? Because you're getting closer and closer and closer. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers, today I'll say brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call that is, God, that is in God, and that it, call of God, which is in Jesus Christ. So while we are having our backs and we depend and this is why people people will give up on us if i fail too many times if i stand here long enough and i start throwing backwards and i'm depending on your direction first of all as you are depending on as you're paying attention thank you for to 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 tell me what to do you're getting your focus off your own goal sometimes you lose track because you're too busy trying to help somebody that's not paying attention. And we got to tell them, we, we try to tell them, go a little bit to the right. When we got to tell them, no, 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 you got to take a whole redirection. You got to do a 180. You got to just turn around from your old ways. And you got to focus on the goals that God has set before us. Getting counsel and direction from others is not a problem when they are aiming at the same goal. If you want somebody to give you advice, they should have their eyes on the same goal that you have. But sometimes we want advice from people that are scattered in their aim. And we're finding out why we can't meet our goals. Why? Because they're going to direct us according to what they've learned about meeting their own goals. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. God will never establish steps that are going to lead us to the past. 
He will never establish steps that are going to lead us further from the goal. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. As long as you keep your focus on the goal, God is going to give us the strength and the strategy to get there. So how do we get there? Number one, consistency. You need to have consistency in four areas. Your stance, your release, your sight alignment, and your toss follow through. Your stance is the way that you stand. The Bible says you must stand firm. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and don't let anything move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So when you're standing before a goal and you know that you know that this is a goal that you have prayed about, that you know that God has said it before you, you can stand. If I try to throw this without standing still, I have uh, increased my error of margin of error, uh, my error, my margin of error. But if I stand firm, unmoving, and I focus on the goal, let's see. I got one point. I was close. We're focusing on where we want to hit and not anything else around because there will be all kinds of things happening. But we need to stay focused. So the first thing we need to do is stance. Our stance must be firm. The second thing we need to do is release with confidence. Isaiah 41, 13, I love this scripture. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I am the great I am. And I am your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, for I will help you. What we need to do is release with confidence, knowing that God is on our side. That God is our God. He is the one who is guiding my hand. Oh, yes, he is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He is the one guiding my hand. He is the one leading me to the target. He says, I will help you. So we can release in the areas that we're not feeling confident. We can stand and just say, Lord, I, you said you're my God. And, you, and the thing is that, that sometimes we feel that God is not true to his word, but that's because we're trying to make him lead our hands in targets that he never put before us. He's not going to help you. He's not going to take your right hand and lead you to do things that are against his will. But if you're confident that God is, if God has let this uh, target before you, you can be confident that he's going to hold you right here and he's going to direct you. Then you need to have sight alignment. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. See, because it's not enough to fix your eyes on Jesus today. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus today, tomorrow, and every day after that. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. 
There has to be that sight alignment. Again, if I, if I decide that I'm going to, uh, to throw and I'm not looking at the target, my chances of missing is going to be greater. But we fix our eyes. What, and what is the target for any one of us believers? Our target and our sight, our sight alignment should not be in anything else but Jesus. If Jesus is there, then that's the direction he called you to be. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not on all the noise and all the things that happens all around. And then the last thing we need to do is that in our toss, there has to be a follow through that must be steadfast. Proverbs 4.26 says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right and do not turn to your left. Keep your foot from evil. When you're playing cornhole, one thing that I learned is that if I turn my feet and I try, it's going to go in that direction. If I turn my feet to the right and I throw, it's going to go in that direction. So you got to keep your feet straight on the goal. You can't turn to the right. You can't turn to the left. You can't say, oh, maybe a little bit of this. Oh, maybe a little bit of that. You got to stay focused straight on. And yes. Another point. Give careful thought, it says, to where your feet are. If you're experiencing, thank you, if you're experiencing a lot of failure in your life, look at where your feet are standing. If you're exhausted from trying and never making it, look at the direction of your feet. And it might be time for you to just readjust. Sometimes that's all it takes, a little readjustment. A little bit can make you mess by a lot. So the cornhole teaches us that direction is important. Our aim is important. But we're also gonna use today another game we're gonna be doing, and maybe I move this so that I'm bringing the expert here. For those of you that don't know, Minister Lewis loves golfing. He's almost as good as Bishop. <laughs> no, they love golfing is a thing. This is a putting green for those of you that don't know. Now, this game, I, I, pl I played once, and I did actually pretty good, and I, I love it. I even got my own golf club set, and I'm hoping this year to get out there. Uh, but it's a game of muscle memory. Putting green will teach us about integrity. See, we have to train our bodies to become more and more accurate with each swing. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to, the more you play it, the more, that's actually what they told me to do. Stand like a, like, like a pendulum and just, you have to keep practicing and practicing without a ball, without a field, without anything. You practice so that by the time that you get to the field, is, your swing has been perfected. Now, it is also, the thing about, huh? in the course, I'm sorry, by the time you get to the course. But it's also a game that you can play on your own or you can play with others. But the important thing is that the integrity cannot change whether you're alone or you're with somebody else. Your swing, your actions need to remain constant regardless of whether someone else is watching or not. So we're gonna give Minister Lewis a chance, right? to 
Okay. All right, let's see if you can get this in on a first try. one. He made it to one. So the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever makes his ways crooked will be found out. Why? Because whatever happens in your secret room, whatever life you're living in private, it's going to be made public. It's going to reflect whenever you go out and you try to take a swing, you can come in with all the swag that you want, but you will find, people will find out in public what is happening in your private life. Integrity is perfected with practice and best tested in private matters. You can practice it all you want, but in your private life is where you really find out whether you have integrity or not, when nobody else is watching and you choose to still do what God is asking you to do, when you still do, choose to do what is right. But whenever we all, we're all going to have an opportunity to go upon the green. And when we go upon the green, that's when everybody else is going to be watching. And, and, and you're going to like this. You can't have a mulligan in every hole. A mulligan is a do-over. A mulligan is when you hit a shot and it's so bad that they're like, oh, no, no, no. Okay, that's grace. That's mercy. And it's good to have the knowledge that you can have a mulligan. But if you want a forward motion and you want to go to the next flag, there's no forward motion if you spend your life taking the same shot over and over and over and over again. If you're living your life screaming, mulligan, 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 you're not going to move forward. You're not learning anything new. You're not growing. Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright is what guides them. Hebrews 12.1-3 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. It is Jesus who perfects us. But you know what happens? We allow sin to come into our lives and mess with our integrity. So what happens? Minister Lewis, I got a present for you. This is sin. Take your glasses off because I think you cheat if... Okay, here we go. All right. So now we're going to have you, first of all, he already lost because you're not supposed to touch the ball before. So now he has to try to get, watch him get it now. That's, that's, you got to figure it out. He still has the same tools. It's the same three things. Is the green, is the ball, is the putter. He still made it on the same spot, but. <laughs> but sin is a blindfold for our lives, and it makes things more difficult. Even though he got it on the same spot, it still was harder for him. He had to ask questions. Where is the ball? Where's God in all this? We end up asking often. What we, we don't know where we are. We don't have the security, the confidence, because every time that you put sin over your eyes, it's going to blind you from a living a life that isn't of integrity. 
Proverbs 15.22 says, with counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. It is important that as we run this race of Christianity, as we walk this walk, that we walk it with integrity, and it's important to surround ourselves that, with people that are looking for that same integrity. As we watch each other, we can help each other. As you see somebody fail, the Bible says, is not to judge them, but help them out in love and help them to redirect their lives, to move once again to the center. Why? I, which reminds me, I'm not in the center anymore. Oops. Let me move myself to the center. To move ourselves to the center where we can be strong. First, Second Chronicles 15, 7 says, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Because I don't know about you, but I hate failure. And when failure comes into my life, it, 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 it just makes me feel like, ugh. I, I get so mad, and some of us get so mad that we give up. But I, I love that, that in the spirit, the Bible teaches us that integrity will produce endurance, endurance in us. Integrity will, get, will make you get back up and decide that this is not where I'm going to stay. I don't have to stay in my failure. I have to figure out a way of getting these blindfolds off of me. And then I'm going to, if I have to start practicing over and over and over again, if I have to uh, try to spend some time working on my pendulum, I'll work whatever I need to do, but I need to get back to integrity. The potting teaches us we need to live by integrity. And then we have our last game for today which is a moving target. Because Pastor Bob, you can talk about the goals that we have, but sometimes, especially in the world that we're living in, there's so much stuff happening, and there are things that are constantly moving all around. And we sometimes don't even know where we need to set our eyes and set our goals. But 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27 says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may be the one to obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest that after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is the moving target teaching us about? It's teaching us about self-control. It's teaching us about not only talking, everybody's running, but we need to run like we're going to win. We need to train ourselves as if, the, as if there is no other candidate but us. That's it. It's ours. And Paul here was saying, what is the sense that I would discipline and teach all these things to everybody else and help them to keep on the self-control if I myself am being disqualified by my lack of self-control? So we have Minister Jonathan is going to help us out today. And this is what happens. Oftentimes, maybe I'll move this so everybody can see. 
Oftentimes, it's not just one target. It seems like all of a sudden, now everything's moving. And we have to figure out, and we just shoot aimlessly, and we miss. So we try again. And there, he got it, right? So the thing about, about, about the teaching of this is that you're not always going to have a specific, clear target. Sometimes things are going to look, there are going to be seasons in your life that you're not going to be sure where exactly you need to aim. And 2 Peter 1, 5 eight says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. What does that say? It's saying that you have all these options, but when you look at them, you have to see in the target that I am aiming for, is there goodness? Is there self-control? Is there perseverance? Is there godliness? You're going to have many options. But 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we are to demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself before the knowledge of God as we take captive every thought and we make it obedient. So we look at all these targets and we find God. Where is it that you want me to aim for? And that's the one we follow. The best way, I was looking into what is the best way to kind of win these games. They have like these videos about, you know, when you go to the carnivals and how uh, there's a lot of trickery, trickery. And they say the best way is to just focus on the one. Follow the one. Anticipate the one. Lead the one. And then aim and shoot with confidence. Because you forget about everything else. And this is why uh, Philippians 4, 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about it. In other words, aim for it. And uh, aim for the things that are excellent and worthy to be praised. That should be our aim. In all these moving parts. I want to try it. Okay, here I go. I tell you I was competitive. Forward. And then when you're ready to shoot, just pull back on it. Okay. Oh my God! Oh, that was close. Ay, ay, ay. Mira, I'm getting worse. Yay! I got it. Okay. <laughs> oh. So the moving parts can be all around us, they can be distracting. But the Bible tells us fix, fix your thoughts. Self-control. Don't let your mind wander everywhere. Don't just go with the flow. You decide where your mind is going to go. Some of us are like, well, I can't, you know, I can't get these thoughts out of my head. You decide whether those thoughts are going to be in your head or out of your head. How do you replace all these things in your life that are becoming a distraction? The Bible says, fix your thoughts on what is true what is honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. So if something is not one of those things, the minute that it enters your mind, you reject it. Remember, 2 Corinthians says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. So you have the right to take these thoughts and fight against those thoughts. 
Self-control comes when you look at all these things and you know they're no good to you. They're no good for you. As a matter of fact, as you indulge later, you're going to be like, why did I ever? Because the enemy has no good plans for you. And everything that he feeds you, everything that he gives you is to tear you down, not build you up. But the word of God, everything that is good, true, honorable, pure, lovely is meant to make us better. So when we watch all these moving parts, we have to decide how are we going to react. This was, there was an occasion on, found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. 35. There was a lawyer that was trying to entrap Jesus. And he was trying to tell him, which one of these things is more important? Ha, huh, tell me. As it's turning, it's hard to tell which one is more important. And they said to him, out of all these commandments, what is more important? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But the second one is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. Love God above all things. First, you find where is the love of God. That's what I aim for. And then I look to take that love and I go and I and, and my target, my control. I control myself. And I, I gain this self-control through the Holy Spirit to learn how to love God right and to learn how to love people. Because it's not easy to love people. That's just the truth. People make it hard for us to love them. Just ask Bishop. It's not easy. But self-control will help us in this matter. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, 3 says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become sounding brass or a, clang a clanging cymbal. That's like making just noise and loud and nothing musical about it. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove the mountains, but I have love, I am nothing. I don't know if you missed that, but the scripture saying in there, I could have enough faith to ask God to move a mountain and God will move it. But if I have, if I don't have love, I have nothing. And a lot of us want to live on the acts or the miracles or the things that come along with faith. But faith is not enough. Jesus said there's two great, the two things that should be our target is loving God and loving people. Faith alone is not enough. You can hear the word of God and the word of God is going to produce in us an action that is going to bring forth a miracle. It's going to bring forth the fruit of the labor of the word of God. But that doesn't mean we have love. And without love, the Bible here says, I am nothing. It says you can speak prophetically. You can tell people what they ate for breakfast 10 years ago. You can have that gift. Good for you. If you have not love, you have nothing. The 
word of God is teaching us the most important thing is to love God and to love others. It says, and, and though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have love, it profits me nothing. We can feed the hungry every single day. We can go out and try to save the world, but if we're doing it without love, we have nothing. And how do we know that we have love? How do we know that we've earned that self-control? Verse 4 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long. It is long lasting. Every time we think about love, I was sharing with my tier one team about this on Friday. Every time we think about love, we think about, oh, romance. And everything is pretty, and there's roses, and there's like this great music, and all that stuff. But when you look at the scriptures, it says love suffers. And it's long suffering. But it's also kind in the middle of that suffering. I was watching a situation happening in another place, in another congregation. And I was watching the reaction of people and it broke my heart because I realized this is a congregation I admire, but somewhere along the line, the, the love gauge was lost. And it became more about what I feel, what I, and, and I'm watching the situation and I'm looking, trying to find where is the love. And the love was absent from there. And I believe that that God uses us in, and it brings us to a place where, where I, here in this house, we've watched failures. We've watched uh, people. We, we know people are not perfect. But I came back home thinking, you know, we might not have what a lot of these great ministries have, but I thank God that we have love. And I came back thinking, Lord, I know you've called us for great things, but I'm realizing the greatest thing is love. And as long as we maintain ourselves in love, it doesn't matter that we don't have mega churches. It doesn't matter that we are not able to do, because this even talks about being able to feed it. They're all good things. It's not that they're not good things, but it just does not compare to love. If we don't have love as we do it, we've already failed and lost our aim. So for any one of these games, and I'm just getting ready to wrap it up. For any one of these games, the rules may be different. Just like the level of difficulty might come different with every different circumstance. But the thing about principles is that they will never fail us, no matter what game we're on. Thanks for listening to Vida Church Live, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and help us spread the word with a helpful share. If you live in the area or you find yourself visiting here in Rhode Island, drop by and visit Sundays at 10, 120 Prospect Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island.